I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? <laughs> Lady and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Dave is about to kill Cat with a. Is that a, a lifesaver? <laughs> a, a, yeah, a lifesaver, a lint saver. Can we call it a lint saver? It actually is to remove cat hair from things. So does rub it, it against does your it head. Doesn't remove cat hair <laughs> from cat. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. So, guys and gals, tonight we have uh, two-fifths of Spaceland Light 4-Way team. Uh, some people don't count the video guy, and they're just dicks, because the video guy has a pretty hard job when you're chasing around Spaceland Light. I mean, some of the 4-Way teams out there. Um, we'll talk more about those guys here in a second, Kat and Dave. Uh, real quick, the Good Guys Detailing Company, uh, recently a guy named Andreas. Am I saying Yeah, Andreas Perez. Andreas. Andres, I'm horrible with Latin names, uh, hit us up. He actually did my car. He uh, did a three-polish detailing job on my car. People look at my car regularly at the drop zone and ask, how does it stay nice? Because we drive down a fucked-up dirt road covered in mud and kolache. And uh, he did the ceramic pro coat thing. Uh, Justin will talk about it. But, dude, have you noticed lately if we have muddy parking lots, the side of my car has no mud on it? No, I don't look at your car because you it's should. discouraging to it's me. It's discouraging. Um, man. It, it looks sharp. It looks nice almost always. Oh, dude. But uh, I just, you know, I'm, there's not a, I'm not a muscle car guy. I'm and I cr- think that if I look at your car long enough, it's going to change my mind. <laughs> so I just avoid it. Man, I love my car. And it keeps it super clean, man. Ceramic Pro Coat. It's, it's a look it up, check it out. I'll talk more about it some other time. Uh, explain a little bit more about it, but uh, the good guys detailing, they do mobile detailing. They're based out of Austin, but they will come wash your plane, your car, your RV, your truck, you name it, anywhere in Texas. They are a mobile uh, company. Mention Gravity Lab Radio or present a valid USPA membership card, and you'll get 10% off any of their full, uh, uh, what's that called, detailing services or ceramic coating, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, check them out. Their number is 512 512- Seven four nine nine zero eight seven. I have to write down important shit because I'll fuck it. What's up. their website? Uh, Thegoodguysdetail.com. So check them out. Find them on Facebook. Super good dudes. We'll tell you more about them next time when Justin has a mic too. I might have these guys pimp out the man fan. Dude, uh, they can do whatever you need. They they really can, man. They they worked on Justin's nice car. It's gonna sound weird. I don't know why the floor on the back of the van very sticky. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> Speaking of sticky, Dave, how was your flight? <laughs> Flights are always sticky. It's uh, yeah, but I've I've been commuting for a long time down here, and yeah. uh, gotten kind of used to whatever they they throw at us. So it's it is what it is. So tonight we've got Dave Grabowski and Cat. Everybody says shall's wrong. Did I say it right that time? Yes, you did. Sweet. Devin would be very very happy. Man, my real name is Donji, and it's spelled Danji. Um, mm. and it's a challenge. So anybody's, I'm, I'm like, I'll respect that. I'll pronounce it. I met you first of all, oh my God, 13 years ago when I first moved here to Spaceland. And what a lot of our jumpers don't know is you used to work full-time at Scott of Spaceland. I did. Bring that mic really close. It, it's, it's Devin and you want to kiss it all night long. <laughs> 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 so just that awkward. <laughs> no. So you get that mic. Uh, so what did you do at Spaceland? 
Um, I pretty much did everything you can imagine. Um, think about... Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about the glory part, you know, so <laughs> before we get our hands too dirty, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so for, for the longest time, I was the, a packer there for a long time. Um, that's what I did mostly, but um, when I wasn't packing, I did um, tandems for a little while, and I did AFF. Also shot video tandems? And I shot video for a long time. And with the janitor? That was the hands dirty part. I was trying to be on the glory side for a while before yeah. we got too dirty. But that's the one thing that stands out to me is you've done it all on I, a drop zone. You've slept in the packing room on more than one occasion. In other places. And uh, I don't need to know about that. <laughs> so you, that's the second hour. That, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. We need more scotch in you first. <laughs> so uh, just a little quick background. And, and I want to bring that up because a lot of jumpers see you around the drop zone. Space Land Light helps a lot of people. You guys do a lot of coaching and fun stuff. And, and people don't quite always realize where y'all have come from. When did you start jumping, Cat? I started jumping in um, 98. So this October will be 20 years. Awesome. Happy birthday, October. Thank you. When did you start, Dave? I went through AFF in 97. 97 babies. Yeah. Fuck that 98. Uh. <laughs> when did you start in 97? What, what's that? When did you start? When? Yeah. It's sometime in the summer. I don't okay. remember when. I mean, you legally can buy beer as a skydiver now. All that beer That's finds you own. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you, you started in 97. You started in 98. Did you both hit the ground running? How was your start, Dave? It was horrible. <laughs> um, I, I was a I was a terrible student. Uh, I failed level four uh, like four or five times. What was level four in those days? Uh, I don't know, ninety, 90 degree 90. turns, I think. Okay. Yeah, and I, I I remember being on my back, spinning, staring up at my instructor, <laughs> and then dumping. <laughs> right into her. I, I apologized to her like fifteen years later. Like at, after I got my FF rating, I remember I was at a party and I saw Karen Turner and I, and I apologized to her. I'm like, remember that job? She's like, yes, I remember. That. I'm like, I'm really sorry. Um, you pitched and, on your back though. Yeah, just like a man. That's awesome. <laughs> and how face. was that open? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Won't yes, do that again. Cat. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and the, I guess. At the time, uh, you know, you're you're a single awkward guy at, at at the ranch, and you can't get anybody to jump with you. So I did 150 solos, you know, learning nothing. Uh, and so it was a long progression. Can you expand on that point about your solos and learning nothing? Just for someone who doesn't have many jumps, can you tell tell someone without a lot of experience what it's like to do a lot of solos? Uh, it, aside from it being really boring, you just don't, you don't learn anything. You have no you have no reference point. You have you have you can you can set some little goals, but you have no objective way to determine whether or not you've reached them. I mean, unless it's you know stand up your landing, which I couldn't do. Uh, so it it wasn't. <laughs> you hurt me with your words. Uh, so it, it was it was a long time of just trying to figure out what what it was I was going to do with skydiving, and if if it wasn't for uh, you know joining a team a few years after that, where I realized oh this can actually be something where now I can learn things and I can have goals and achieve things. 
It's really interesting because in, during your AFF course, did you tell me you were a struggling student at any point? I, I probably did. Yeah, and I don't remember things really well. I'm pretty good <laughs> at that. It, it stand, I don't remember that from the course, but now that you say it, it stands out because, Kat, as a student, you were outstanding. Absolutely the best. I'll have to say I did pass level four only because it was a given. They said basically word for word. You really didn't pass level four, but level five is pretty much the same thing. So we're going to give that a shot. So I spent all my time doing level five. I think I did five or six of them. Yeah. Yes. You, you can't do a small turn. So let's go for a big one because that's what you're naturally doing. <laughs> that's what I was doing. I was doing constant turns and never stopping. I just couldn't. And it was nothing out of control. I just wasn't in control. It wasn't in control, and I yeah. just couldn't stop it. At some point, were you told you shouldn't be skydiving, Cat? I might have been given the, the bowling speech at one point in my career early on. So I tell actually your story probably a lot more than you realize it to some people. And I tell it because both of you guys are encouraging. Both of you struggled. Both of you had a hard time. And at some point, you were told, don't skydive. This ain't for you. And you guys compete now as a team in four-way. And you compete at a high level. When I say high level, open class is the highest level. Um, you guys are competing at that point. But yet, you shouldn't skydive. You pitched on your back as a student. What would you tell people who are struggling about, like, what, what got you through it? Uh, just don't give up, you know. Have that desire. Have that passion. And if you don't get it the first time, doesn't mean that you won't get it. It just might take a little longer. And I'll also say like one of the things that helped me get through my process was um, different inputs. Like I had the same, not that that instructor did anything wrong, but sometimes hearing the same words from someone else will give it to you in a different way that will help you understand what your objectives and your goals were. Like for me, the main focus point was, oh, it's your feet, oh, it's your toes, oh, it's this, you know, and so many toe taps, and you still don't fix the problems, you know, as a student, you're just doing exactly what you're told, toe taps, toe taps, toe taps, I'm still turning, I'm still turning, I'm still turning, um, and it took a while for them to even realize what was even causing my problem, um, but eventually we got there, and, and the reality is, for anyone who's listening, my problem, honestly, was myself. Like, I was so tense and so nervous and so, well, for me, I was um, 18 years old, not to give how old I was. I was whatever, <laughs> how old I am now. Um, do the math, Dave. I know, do the math. Easy peasy, <laughs> right? the four. Yeah. Um, how old did she just So, <laughs> you know, I was young. I was in college. I didn't have any money. And, you know, the student program is not something cheap and when you're paying for it yourself I was so tense because if I failed this that was another two hundred dollars you know and it was so much um just the the tense like I caused all my problems just being so tense in my body so anyone who's listening um just relax it does so much for you just to be able to relax it's uh so I have one question, but the word relax is always a fun word for me just because I teach AFF instructors. Dave, actually, I worked with both of you guys. Jay Stokes was your, your examiner, Kat, and That's I was right. one of the evaluators, and I was your examiner. And 
both of you did really well. It was both really fun courses, picking on Peterson. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, relax. What's this hand signal mean? Um, legs out. What's this one mean? Arch. And almost every one of our free fall instructions has a command, a physical set of actions. Do this. Yep. What's this hand signal mean? Relax. It's a state of being. Yep. So when you tell people to relax, as an AFF instructor, I would tell you, teach your students as a coach, this shaking your hand means breathe. Take a deep breath yeah. to relax. Yeah, I, I think something to, you know, when I hear relax, I also think like, you know, somebody telling, you just need to calm down. <laughs> you know? Relax! And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, Kat, Kat you, you, you're, you're really hitting it, hitting it on the head there in the sense that it is psychological and and. Everything that that we do in skydiving, it's like ten percent skydiving, and it's ninety percent mental, psychological headspace. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone knows that going into it. It's a really easy thing to continue to, to, to forget as you're learning new things and as you're in new situations. That you, the natural thing is to feel stressed or to feel you know nervous or whatever it is, and it's hard to give yourself that same advice that you would give a new person of, hey, man, take a breath, force a smile, like laugh at what's happening right now and see how much better you get. So I still fall victim to that pretty yep. often. Yep. I think the other thing is I think as we get more experienced, we can we can actually learn to recognize that. And and to an extent, you can embrace it. Like I can think of, you know, some skydives that I've done that were incredibly stressful, but I realized that they were stressful and why. And it, this is stressful because it's really cool. And to think about how much fun I'm going to have doing it, uh, and just be comfortable with with that elevated, uh, you know, the, I, I, you know the the air spe airspeed. Always talk about the arousal level, which sounds kind of naughty. Sorry. <laughs> 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 so uh, you guys, uh, <laughs> ni <laughs> ninety seven and ninety eight. So what was a uh, video debrief like on your student jumps? Oh, that didn't happen. Right, it didn't I'm, happen. Just for well, the for the sake of the people who are learning now, who yeah. get the the privilege of watching that GoPro footage at the end of every jump and using that information to go over it again and again to see what was causing the turn. So that's an interesting statement. That was because we I was struggling right the level five and toe taps, toe taps, toe taps, and finally it was suggested to pay the extra money to pay for a videographer. You know, you're talking about someone who was making minimum wage. What was that 20 years ago? 515 to come up with an extra $100 to pay for a videographer to come film me from the outside to figure out what was going on. And my luck, the video didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, th I think the other thing was, because I remember a, a friend of mine who started AFF with me, and he had the same problem. Yeah. And so he did exactly the same thing. He spent 100 bucks to get the to get the outside video. And then there were like three instructors, you know, doing, you know, the frame advance on the VCR, <laughs> um, looking at his feet, and they're like, and one foot's like this, and one foot is 10 degrees different, and that must be your problem. And I think the fact that we have so much access to video now, because it's easy, everybody has a camera, and we can debrief ourselves silly, I think as a community, we've gotten better at analyzing video, and, and we're, we can much get, get to that answer much faster because we know what we're looking for now. Well, and I think because you have the tunnels, you have everything else in the, and the videos, 
what you're saying, we can get there faster, but I think as instructors, we also have way more information of what could be causing the problems than before. Sure. You know, like the default answer, you have a turn, do toe taps. That was the default answered it didn't matter if that was it could only possibly be an unevenness of your feet that's the only thing that's the only thing that it could be you know and they're like oh it's just the minorest little bit different that's what it is you know but i think today instructors are way more aware about the whole entire body that helps the students learn faster and be able to pinpoint the problems and you have the video to help re to to give that visual to the student as well because it's one thing to hear oh, do toe taps or do this than it is for the student to see themselves. Oh, I totally get it now. I understand what you mean. I get it. So I, I had a, a student a few years ago, uh, a, a small woman wearing a student rig, and this is at a drop zone where they only have a handful of student rigs and all of them are one size fits none. <laughs> and w when I was walking to the plane with her, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, watch out, she's a spinner. <laughs> oh, great. This, this is maybe two, two months after I got my rating. Uh, and yeah, sure enough, you know, out the door, she's great for five seconds, then she's on her back and spinning. And so we went through like four jumps that day with this kind of happening. And, you know, I flip her over, let go, and hope she's okay. Looking at the video, because I had a GoPro, it wasn't, and she had beautiful body position. She was doing everything right but she was wearing this giant rig that did not fit her. And if you freeze frame it, and again, with a GoPro, it's high def, and you can see it in a lot of detail, the rig is just shifted on her back to one side. And this thing weighs 30 pounds, she weighs maybe 100. So just, just the, that amount of weight shifting on her body was, was causing all that, it wasn't her fault. Have you ever flown too, way too big of a rig on your back before? One that doesn't fit you, one that's... I, I jumped a rig that was made for a guy, 240, with a 300-square-foot parachute. DZO wanted me to jump it into demos because it said 1-800-SKYDIVE on the bottom. Everybody jumps their own rig. I'm like, I don't care. You're paying for the jump. I'll, I'll jump this big old rig. It fucking flies you in free fall. <laughs> you can be good at free fall, and I stayed stable, and I st but I worked the entire skydive. I was like, man, this thing wants to do something to me. It's ridiculous. You both struggle as students. You both kind of go through a, a world, and, and it really explains a psyche today that I watch with you guys is Spaceland Light. We'll build back to this, but in coaching, you guys definitely have a patience for people, a help for people. You guys seem to be really good at finding folks who need that extra help, and people don't know how to communicate with them, but you guys do a really good job connecting with them. Do you think that history is what creates that for you? I, I think that's that's certainly a big part of it. I think the empathy of understanding that what we're doing is hard, no matter what level you're at. You're an AFF student. You've got a thousand jumps. You've got five thousand jumps. Whatever you're doing, you're you're still challenging yourself, and it's still hard. So to have that empathy that that somebody is trying to do something is, I think, certainly certainly a big part of it. And then I think for a lot of us, something that we get out of coaching, and I think I could say that this for probably everyone in the room, there's a huge reward in figuring out how to connect with somebody. So what Kat was saying earlier about you, 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 sometimes somebody can tell you the same thing, but they phrase it in a different way. And all of a sudden you're like, that person told me how to solve, solve that problem. 
as a coach, as an instructor, that same kind of thing, figuring out what do I, what can I say to this student, to this person I'm coaching, to, to get that message across. And there's four different ways that I could do it. Which one is going to work and, and why is that? It's, man, something that I used to not see as much in CAD. All of us really grew up in an age of, of skydiving. The instructors were stuck in their words. Do the same thing, cat, over and over again. Toe taps, toe, toe taps, taps, toe taps. Toe taps. Which is for sure a common solution and something to consider. But the definition of, an ins- of insanity, same thing over and over again. Yep. And so many instructors, even to this day, but I, I think more historically, were stuck in that same routine. And the point you make is now you understand, let me try. I, there's methods and techniques I don't agree with at all. But it works for them, so I'm going to use it. I, yeah. I don't. I think it's a silly way. To, oh, it works. It works. Then there's nothing silly about it. You know, people will say a good student, a good teacher will will teach a student how to learn. No, a good teacher will learn how the student learns and figure it out and just do it their way. So you guys go through this when you decide to be on four way teams. How soon into your career you say 200 it, jumps? Uh, it, it was a, f- a few hundred jumps. I, okay. I I wasn't making a lot of jumps early in my career, so. My first four-way team was in 2002, and it was because a, a guy who I knew, he was like, let's do a team. It sounds like a good idea. And where'd you guys do this at? At the ranch. Okay. What, what was team was that? <laughs> so the, the, uh, the name of the team was Ranch Phoenix. Uh, quick little anecdote. So it's our first nationals, and for those of you, when you go to nationals, uh, they they will... Uh, everybody's in a big auditorium. They do the briefing. These are the judges. These are the rules. Uh, now we're going to call out all the teams. And when you hear your team name, you come up and you get the draw. So they go through all of the intermediate teams. And they didn't mention our name. And they say, is there any team who we didn't call up? And all my teammates are pushing me on the show. It's like, you got you to say something. You got to say something. Were you the captain? Did they? No, did, the, was we, it? We, we were captainless. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but it was, I, I guess I was the tallest. I don't know. <laughs> um, I have that so, same problem all the time. <laughs> so at, at the top of my lungs in the auditorium at Skydive Chicago, I scream out, Ranch Phoenix. Everybody looks around. And they're like, did he just say Ranch Penis? <laughs> 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 and and I mean that would have been appropriate for the ranch. Uh, yes, <laughs> man. I um I've heard so many great stories about the ranch. Hank used to jump there. Yep. And he likes to tell stories. And and Sonic is a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'm gonna make it up there. Cat, uh, when did you get into team stuff as far as four way and FS? So um, my first team ever was not four way. It was on Deguayo. 16 way that was back in I think 03 02 03 somewhere back there um do you know what year to Guayo started it's their 30th anniversary this year it's their 30th anniversary they've had 172 team members I asked Jack when is it time to hang it up and I don't think I'm I'm not telling him to but he said man once upon a time I said 182 team members because that's how many were at the Alamo and I might be 183 (laughs) I might be one off but he, that's what he quoted to me, and he's like, um, I'm considering it, but we'll see what happens. Because 30 fucking years as a team, that's badass. There's something iconic <laughs> about DeGrail. Everyone expects them to be there, and everyone expects them to show up and really represent, and they do every year. Aren't they the longest-standing team in skydiving? 
I'm pretty sure they are. Don't I'm, get me to lie. I have no yeah, idea. Okay. But I should know, but I don't. <coughs> and yeah. I might be wrong, but they are one of the, if not the longest yeah. standing team. Yeah, it would be them and, and the, the Golden Knights. Go, Golden Nuggets, Golden yeah. Knights, I think, yeah. yeah. So you were DeGueo first. I was DeGueo. Um, I was still in college. I remember that summer very, very not so much. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very, very rough summer for me. Um, I was taking 18 hours of summer school. For anyone who's ever taken summer school, that's a, a lot. And working full time and deciding to do the, the team my first team ever, and pack at the same time because, you know, I packed for most of the people on the team, so I had to double down a little bit. Um, it was very, very rough, but it was also very, very rewarding. Um, I, Even though I was very sleep-deprived, it was really good memories, and it was. I'm really glad I did it. I only did it for one season. Um, maybe it was my performance back then. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but it was really good. Um, it was a lot of fun. We did really well at nationals and, um, that was my first team ever. Uh, after that, it was a couple years, uh, and I did a four-way team in advance. My first time ever doing four-way, I did advance. I just kind of skipped that intermediate thing. And you said, did like Valerie. Yeah, just go. She did the same. Just go advance. Just go for it. Um, our team name was, uh, Shapeshifters. It's, uh, a little funny. I'll have to, Karen Builder, if she's watching this, she'll laugh. Um, some other people won't laugh, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> so, imagine Scooby-Doo. Did you watch the movie Scooby-Doo? You know, when they go in between scenes and it does the little, yeah. exactly, that's it. So we would go, we're the shapeshifters, from point to point, point, point. And we had this guy that I won't mention his name to, um, he did not appreciate all the female on the team going in between every point when we're walking or on the airplane or anything. It was I think he got a little embarrassed. I'm really happy that you have that story, and I'm also very happy I wasn't there (laughs) having to deal with that. That's great. Because that's every load all the time? We were, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. But, you know, I didn't even have to say the sound. And was it you that brought up the... Who said it? Someone did. What? What? Knew what? Oh, yeah, I I, I caught the sound. I honestly... Only know that because of Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah. Excellent. That's how I know the the sound that you're talking about. Exactly. Well, that was what it was. That's what we did every time. Oh, I know. <laughs> but you know, it was um, again another super great um, experience for my my teams that I work with. They'll appreciate me saying super great. Um, <laughs> Should there be a drinking game out of Super Great? Yes, there is a drinking game out of Super Great. Because <laughs> apparently I say it a lot. Um, and that's something I think Kim passed on to me. Is the Super Great. Could very well be. Very much will be. But. So you, you go from doing four-way with Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Uh, Where are you? Shapeshifters. Um, at some point, you eventually get on a team called SPX-8. I did. Yeah. With Mr. Um, Thomas Jenkins. Yeah, Tom Jenkins. I mean, uh, first of all, if you don't know who he was, just look it up. If you're not from the Texas region, you, you, you still probably have heard from him. 
you're in the Texas region, you haven't, ask people at your DZ, and, and they've all got a good Tom Jenkins story. Yeah. So you start SPX 8 with Tom when? Mm. Oh, 07, I think. After, so SPX Two 8 okay. won the intermediate, whatever year that was, I don't remember, I wasn't on the team. The following year, um, and this is a great Tom story, Tom had this way with people of getting them to be on the team without you even knowing it. Yes. Yes. Before you knew it, you were in a big way camp. Exactly. (laughs) So it started out one weekend. Hey, Kat, um, because I was living with Tom at the time. And he goes, Kat, uh, we're doing some eight-way this weekend, and we don't have someone. Do you want to come and join us? I'm like, yeah, that would be fun. And, you know, we would have a great time, all that kind of stuff. And, hey, Kat, um, we're going to be here again this coming up weekend. You want to join us? Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, Kat, uh, you owe us money for team shirts. What? How did, what? <laughs> Sneak attack. It is. That's uh, totally Tom. Um, what time are we picking you up at the airport for nationals? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's how I got part of uh, doing SPX 8 with Tom. It was purely by him getting me to show up on the weekends and like, let's go do this. And it, it was good. I, I really spin just into SPX 8 just for a really short time because 2009, and I remember these years because my wife's involvement um, and because of what she did, I had to do other things. Uh, my wife was shooting the Guayo video in 08, somewhere around there, 2010. Mm-hmm. And in 2009, SPX 8 had a little f- group of four people branch off and start SPX Light. I know your wife yeah, is the OG of light. Dude. It's I've always taken a huge interest in you guys because number one, we've been friends. I did your AFF rating with you. We've always been easy to get yeah. along with, or you guys have at least. And uh, it's always been easy to root on. But man, my wife was your first videographer. I know. And uh, that was super cool. It was the first uh, and the only nationals for free fall so far at Spaceland. So yeah. far, maybe they'll change their mind one day. I'll believe it when I see it. I hear what? rumors every now and then. I believe it when I see it, but it'd be cool. I um, think it'd be super great. Yeah. I'm going to go work like San Marcos or Dallas that week because I'm just going to be hectic, man. Nationals gets crazy. Um, you guys started SPX uh, or Spaceland Light that year. Yes. That was the original. It was uh, SPX Light. Like you said, the, the eight-way team split up into two four-way teams, um, even split. So everyone did four-way and eight-way. And it was something that uh, Richard Rothery brought up as a conversational point that, you know, we, we are doing between the two teams close to 300 jumps, you know, something ridiculously amount, right? And you're there at the weekend. I'm at the drop zone every weekend, so much time commitment. And he goes, only we can commit this much time into one discipline and do it with some people that, you know, we're very big believers on hanging out with people that we like to hang out with. You know, being on a team is a big commitment with lots of time. You know, you're not just showing up on the weekends, but you're planning things during the week. You know, you're doing things on the weekend. You're sleeping at other people's houses. You know, you're doing waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning so you can make it to the tunnel before jumping out of an airplane. You know, all these little circumstances, right? And you're going to spend a huge amount of time. And one of our requirements was, you know, 
being with people we like to be with first. You know, we want to have dinner conversations with. We want to hang out before we commit to doing a team. You know, if, if you're a good skydiver, that helps out a lot too. But, you know, being on a really good team. And so um, it started from the eight way of we have all these people we really like hanging out with and we're committing all this time. What if we still hang out with all of our friends that we really like to and we commit all this time and energy into four-way and see what we can do and you know it it's all Richard he started all of this I really I if I thought there was an instigator on that team I was going to put it on you because oh. it was you Devin Richard and I can never remember his name but Bill I can picture Green. Bill Green I say it's Green but I, it's not Richard Green yeah Bill Green and uh, Valerie. And Val. And, and uh, I, I pictured you as the ringleader there, as the instigator. Mm. No, it was um, Richard, but I, I heard, and I go, hey, I'm interested. <laughs> I just hopped on over there and say, what about me? What about me? So, How important do you, uh, man, you bring up so many fun conversations here, but how important do you think it is to be able to speak up but not be overbearing for people to get an opportunity? You say, I stepped up, what about me? Mm-hmm. So many people want, them to be brought into the sport as far as like, oh, hey, Dave, I see what you're doing. Why don't you come over here and join us? And that would be nice if we're always brought in. Dave, grab a beer. Have a drink, man. You look tense. Have, grab something, man. Have at it. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to break something like I did before we started. <laughs> Dude, no, no. Move. Everything's fine. It's it's Slide that chair around. Don't move the carpet. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I was not what you're doing. so wrong. So I, I want to know if you have any... Uh, Advice, like, how in the world do you get on an eight-way team nine skydivers to be in the same place at the same time? Like, how did you guys get that? That's what I've struggled with trying to do a couple four-way teams. It takes leadership. It's so hard. And it takes someone like Tom Jenkins and many other people out there to really come up with a plan and say, this is, we can't be accommodating for every person on the team. And you have to just be accommodating for the masses, you know, and and understand, like, especially for eight people, not always can you have every single person at every single camp. But you need the people there who with the similar goals and the objectives. And and to be honest, if you have those goals and those objectives, you're going to want to be there, you know, for that time. And that's the big saying, like, if you really have those goals, you'll figure out how to make it happen. And if you can't for one weekend, that's okay, you know. But that's um, an exception, not the norm. For yeah, and, and go, go, going into it for, for any team, you, you need to be very clear about the, the goals, the expectations before you start jumping. Uh, you, in addition, you, you said it before, number one, it has to be people you want to hang out with. Uh, you know, skills can be learned. So you got it's got to be people you like, and then you have to have those conversations so that everybody understands and is committed and is on the same page in terms of how you know what do we want to get out of the year? How often are we going to train? Because if if somebody has this crazy idea, we're going to train every weekend and we're going to do back to backs, and the other guy's like, I want to train once a month, and you never talk about it, kind of melt down in the middle of the season. Cause tension. It's so important, man. Up front, I think that has broken up more teams than anything else where somebody thinks we're going to do uh, one training jump a weekend or one training jump a weekend, <laughs> one training weekend a month where another one thinks we're going to train two, three times a month and, and they don't know. So up front, 
what are my goals? I want to win a gold medal or I want to do this or I want to just get a solid year. I want to make this many jumps. I want to make this many tunnel trips and make this many hours. Because it can, man, Valerie, that year she did, uh, she did, she, uh, the year, the mirror, the beep, 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 the year we met was, uh, 2010 and she was on Havoc. And she explained to me how many training jumps and how many, they did 10 and a half hours of tunnel time and three trips to North Carolina. Um, oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. So do you know about Val's first fucking four-way training camp with Kirk Verner? She, uh, so she's like you, she skips, uh, anything. She goes straight from no four-way at all shooting four-way video for you guys. That was her only four-way experience to she have did great, by the way, she, we love you, Val. She's phenomenal to Havoc, who got a bronze medal in, in, in uh, advance the year before. So now she's on this four-way team, goes to her first tunnel camp and Kirk Verner's coaching them, but also flying on the uh, off time with like Johnny Eagle and a couple other people. It was XP or somebody back then. And Val came home just heartbroken and telling oh. me that, oh, Scott wants to, I'm not going to be that good. Scott doesn't want, he wants to do things I can't do and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and she's breaking down. She's pretty upset. I'm like, sweetheart, what are you talking about? And this guy and what they're doing, he, she says, I, he wants to be like that. I finally find out Kirk Verner is who Scott wants to be like. <laughs> and I told Val, that's, that's like saying I want to be like Jordan. So, you know, maybe with enough practice and enough time, I, I might have that chance. But he's not talking about tomorrow, sweetheart. No, no, no. And she shows me the video. And it was. It was Kirk and everybody else. And Val's immediate expectation was gold medal in open class. Yeah. That was her introduction to four-way. <laughs> so we meet 2010 because she goes to Havoc that year. And that year, Havoc is, is, we're in Chicago, and Havoc grouped up with a team called Fallout. Yep. At that point, from Sky's the Limit. I, I don't remember if we were <clears throat> exclusively at Sky's the Limit there, or that might have been one of the years where we were training half Sky's the Limit and half Ranch. I think that was where y'all claimed, though, was it, on your name? Uh, I, I don't, I, I'd have you to look. You guys are I'd from say. the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys created a four, an eight-way team together called... Havoc's the limit. Havoc's the limit. So sky's the limit. There, that, you, there go. you go. There you go. That, that puts it together. Uh, and Val, and you competed, and actually Val got a few medals on the camera stuff for DeGuayo, but it was her first medal in flying slot. So mm -hmm. my wife is one of the most humble ladies ever in the world, and I will brag on her for her. She's a phenomenal flyer. Um, and Dave, that's where we met. Yep. So at some point, where did you two cross paths? Is that at the same time frame y'all start getting familiar? It, it, it was around the, sa the same time. It was during 16-way. So s sort, of, so, so, sort of the way that two four-way teams came together to make an eight-way team. Uh, that's kind of how a, a lot of 16-way teams come together. Like, yeah, you've got the Gueo, you've, you've got uh, you know, the airspeed guys, and they get together with the... Amphibious, amphibious attack tigers and a couple other people, mm -hmm. but a lot. A, there's always a couple teams where it's just a bunch of really dedicated belly flyers who really have never trained 16 way or certainly didn't train that that year, and it's just kind of a hodgepodge. And we we started jumping together doing 16 way, and we were just 16 way teammates on a team name to be named right before registration. <laughs> Did you guys get together the first time in 2010? Was that the first year flying 16 way together? I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I. I, I think it was. It was probably a couple years later. I think it. It might. It might have been after you. After Spaceland Light won. Uh, 
won the gold, gold medal in advance. In advance. And I think I think <clears throat> we got the silver that year. So that fast forwards us real quick to to what year was that? Nat Nationals gold. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I don't. You're the only last standing team I know, member. I should know, and I should have done research. <laughs> if I think hard, okay. So nine was the first year. It's on the internet. Ten, I want to say we got <laughs> second or third. So I think it's 11 we won. 11. I think Justin is actually over there typing In and Chicago? poking his little fingers. Chicago? Uh, Nationals? No, Arizona. 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 Yeah. yeah 10 Arizona was, was 2012, I think. Maybe there was 12 then, yeah. 10 was Chicago. And yep. I don't think Chicago was back-to-back that time. I thought 11, I'm pretty sure 11 was Chicago because it was the first time I, I went to Nationals to observe a, the Friends what, team competing. So 9 was Houston. Was Spaceland, yeah. Yeah, and so where was... The, the Chicago, 10 was Chicago. Oh, so Chicago had two years in a row. Which they've done. I think a couple of DZs have Has done back-to-back. Chicago back. done it? Yeah, I think Twice so. Twice in a row? 2011. 2011? Was not 2010 <laughs> Nationals was Chicago, in Chicago? Right? I was correct. Yeah. But where was Nationals in 10? Chicago. <laughs> it was Chicago. Probably I remember. Chicago. Okay, sweet. I'm not Chicago. just crazy because, yeah. dude, we met. And remember those bodybuilders on that fridge? Oh. I do, <laughs> not do not remember this. Oh, my God. So, anyways, that's just a whole other conversation. I'll share a photo with you later okay. on. We were we were staying with Scott and Di. Um, yes. Now, yeah. Yes. Now I remember. The apartment in downtown Ottawa. Yeah, that's yes. where I really got to know you the first night. And yeah. that was a damn good night, man. That, that was, was, that was a great fun. night. Everybody drinking. The uh, I, I'll leave him nameless at this point because I might... I might implicate him at this point, but the, the uh, law enforcement officer who was drunk said, hey, DJ, where's my gun? <laughs> I'm like, why are you trusting me to know where your gun's at? Not the smartest guy. Hi. Um, I don't know who that could be. Uh, law enforcement officer, that counts the school security guard. Why are you trying to give this person away? No, that's all there is. <laughs> His name is Jeff. What's that guy's name? What's the uh, cop that's retired? Totally making it up now. Um, <laughs> I can't think of his name. Uh, so you guys get together. T- uh, 12, 11's when we got gold with light. Yeah. So then 12. 13. 13. Was when Dave joined. 13, joined. 13 or 14? I, so I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, and I, me- I meant to do, I think, what Justin's doing right now, because I don't, I don't remember, and I'm trying. I've been on so many teams, and... Uh, a lot of them kind of blend together because sure. you know the, the same players all the time. Uh, oh wait 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 wait! wait. So, so we won eleven. I think Richard was on the team <laughs> two more years. Wait, wh- fourteen. Yeah, I was getting the math. It's I had to think about. There you there you go. So 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 you guys kind of, I I guess having heard the analogy, you guys kind of. Tom Jenkins me in to join the team. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we do that for everyone. Ask Christy. Christine, sorry. So at some point, the uh, light, let's kind of catch up to where you're at. Light started with those four people, Bill Green and, and Devin and Richard and you. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I think Bill Green right away uh, had one year and just yep. stepped to other commitments. Yep. Who took his place? Christy West. Christy West. And Christy was basically there through the gold medal. Mm-hmm. It was you, Dev, and Christy. And at that point, I think Richard was off the team when y'all won gold? No, Richard was there. Richard was there. Okay. Yeah. He's, so he got to see it from inception to gold medal. Yes. That dude's an accomplisher. Yeah. That dude likes to do shit, and he likes he to do it at a high level. He's an amazing, amazing athlete in so many 
areas. I always see him, see him like posting just another marathon or triathlon. Like, you know, I walk to my mailbox and get my ass kicked. He goes for a 27 mile, 23 mile jog. Yeah. 26 point. 26.2. Thank marathon. you. Thank you. I can't walk 2.6 miles. So I have to say, um, Corey has been on the team ever since um, it became real light. So he is a, because uh, when Val was on, we were SPX light. And okay. then the, the, the following year after that was the light by itself, not the SPX. And Corey has been a pretty original member of the team since then. And he was not just the original then. He was actually SPX eight. eight. Mm-hmm. And the only reason y'all didn't have him is he shot the other four-way team, yeah. right? So really, he's been with Spaceland four-way and eight-way for quite a long time. Yeah. Was it talked about on the show about SPX and where it came from? Uh, I think Rabbit might have mentioned it, but I don't. Dave, I think everybody else knows. Dave, do you know where the name SPX came from? I think at one point I did, but I don't remember. I'd ask Justin, but you don't have a mic. Do you know where it came from, Justin? He shakes his head. No, Cat, you know. I have a couple areas, but go ahead. No, where did it come from? I think you know. Not, well, I so two different things. Um, I believe it's the original SP uh, Spaceland drop zone. The airport code, yeah. right? Airport identifier. Yeah. 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 Identifier. Yeah. So what's also kind of cool is um, Chris Miller, who was one of the original instructors and the main instructor and rigger. At the drop zone, his uh, rigging symbol was SPX, Yeah, which is pretty cool. That was really cool. Chris was a good dude, man. He was intense. (laughs) 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 So now you guys have won gold. And when you won gold, you kicked everybody off the team and said, fuck you guys. I'm out. I don't need you anymore. And you stepped up to Dave Grabowski as a teammate. Whoa. No. That's not kidding. That's not how it went. I really thought. We kept the same team for another two years yeah and, and slowly people have changed roles and, and mm-hmm. it's always been somebody's like hey man my time in the team is done i want to move on to other things yeah. none of it spaceland light has definitely been one of the most light-hearted fun friendly teams it's a uh, nick i know you work in the plane all the time with some of these teams and some of them stand out as either being a bit uptight so it's uncomfortable in the plane with them Hey, I'm just happy we're getting a 10-5 pass and more room in the airplane. That's yeah. all I know. Get we do it just and for you. That's why we do it. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys are always super friendly, always giving, you know. There are some people that give a high five just to give a high five, you know. But you guys' team camaraderie, it expands beyond the team. And uh, your energy really does rub off on everybody else in the airplane. That's, so that's, that's good to hear. It really is. Yeah. Was the original name Spaceland Light? Now, one of the things that we know, or SPX Light, is that it was a faller, slowing fall rate. It was the lighter half of SPX-8. So originally, I think the team had something to do with the different fall rates of the four-way teams. Is that true? A little bit. You know, um, it's a little funny because, uh, you know, we started from the eight-way team. And there were a bunch of us that were, um, myself included, wearing almost 20 pounds of lead to, to skydive. And when we were talking about this concept and this idea... Um, being able to dedicate our time and resources into one discipline and seeing what we can do, that was one of the things that, not a decisioning factor, but something that was a nice bonus was to be able to get people of that we like, like we liked everyone, but, you know, to have people that we like and then being able to, you know, shed some of the, the weights off, literally. I can't, I've only made maybe three or four jumps with lead. And I'm talking maybe eight or ten pounds at the very most. Well, how much does that change your fall rate to have twenty pounds of lead on? 
it's super fun. You should try it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'd enjoy the parachute portion. <laughs> Actually, but. no. It's, it, the whole part of it is um, it's hard, you know, to because it, um, it, it's not just the, the lead. It's the stopping and the going. Like, everything you do, you have to put more physicalness into it because you have to stop the motion that's not part of you. You know, you have to physically start it, physically stop it. It's very, it's demanding. How, how much do you really think that that speeds up your fall rate? I, I, oh, how, how much easier does it make it to stay with a group that's going faster than you? It's night and day. Yeah. I, I, as the big guy who is always <laughs> asking people to put, you know, put lead on, uh, you know, being down and dirty and everybody just kind of looking down at you going, he sucks for you. Uh, it, it's, it sucks when you're the low guy. And, uh, you know, we, we, we need to all be in a comfortable body position so that we have the ability to move our arms and legs. And so, you know, if, if you're even moderately flexible, you can arch a lot and you can get down to someone who's falling faster. But then you can't move. And as soon as you do, you're going to pop back up relative to that to that fast faller. So it's really just a matter of, of matching matching the fall rates. It's uh, lead do makes a huge difference for AFF. I've worn 23 pounds of lead and it's it's night and day, but it leads me to a, a side question. That I kind of have a pet peeve about. Um, I'll explain my side before I ask your version. But people who won't put lead on new jumpers, I do agree. Let's dress students for success and leave them without lead. Let's wear lead or wear drag ourselves. Lead, um, six pounds of lead on my back in free fall is not going to be a dramatic difference. It is some, but six pounds of lead on my back when I land hard is going to make a dramatic impact. So students not wearing lead because of landing. When a jumper is licensed and has consistently soft stand-up landings, I'm for them wearing lead. My wife Valerie is, as you know, a light girl, 130 pounds, I told on her, and 5'8"-ish or 5'7", and she wears, she wears some lead. When I first started dating her, they said, no, learn to fly your body first. And then when you can fly your body, you can put lead on. And she had to learn to fly all over again. What's your take on new jumpers wearing lead? Either one of you. My, my personal opinion is what makes that person dress for success, regardless if that's lead or not lead, and what gives that person the most confident in their ability to do what they want to do in that objective. So you're saying if they have 30 jumps and they're safe to land, you think putting lead on them is a good, is a fair decision for the, depends on the person. It depends on the person. depends on how much. Yeah. Right. When you're a young jumper, a little bit goes a long way, you know, in all directions, you know, it's like taking someone Davy size and putting them in a tight fitting suit with nylon and spandex and say, Learn how to fly your body slow. But I would look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would follow you guys everywhere if that was the case. But, you know, it's the same concept. It's like mm -hmm. really dress for success. As long I, 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 I th I, the, the, somebody with 30 jumps, though, if you, if you were to just put them in the tunnel by themselves, they're not going to stay at the same level. You don't, don't do any maneuvers. Just stay there. And they're still gonna bounce around. Like they, they haven't even learned mm -mm. to to control their their fall rate. And so, you know, if you add lead and you kind of can get to that middle ground, and if that fall rate is then gonna match some other people, so they can jump with other people, so they can learn some things. 
uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think mm-hmm. you, you bring up a really good point, though, about landings. But then I, I would wonder, and I don't have any experience with this, but the thing I wonder is, you know, this person with 30 jumps is probably jumping a you know, 200-square-foot canopy, 190-square-foot canopy. Um, how much are you actually changing that wing loading by, by giving them Five pounds. Eight pounds, you know, or, or something like that. So is it is it a, is it a difference between a sprain and a break? Yeah. And if it is, then yeah, it's a it's a hard question to ask. Being a canopy nerd and a safety and training guy, I answer this question all the time. So I know a, a 150 because let's say a light person's on a 150. Let's let's make it really small for a noob. And six pounds of lead is point zero four uh, difference in wing loading. Point oh four, so half of a percent. So it, it, or, uh, yes. it's actually four percent. Yes, thank you. Point zero four. Uh, so it goes Math. from it goes from up uh, from one. Yeah, sorry. One point oh to one point oh four. Right. It, it, there's n- minimal difference. It really doesn't make a huge difference. Um, Dave, you see a lot of light girls or guys flying with you because really people have to stay with you when they're newer. You do a good job of st- staying slower, but when you were a younger jumper, you probably didn't do as well. Have you seen a, a, a light jumper f- learn to fly one way, throw lead on, and it completely changes their life and, and confuses them because they flew lead too short of it or not soon enough? I, 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 can't, I can't really comment on, on the soon part, but I've seen people who, and it's actually mostly been women, and women I think are naturally more flexible than men. Uh, and I had a teammate who she was extremely flexible. And she could contort her body into crazy, crazy positions, and she could fall. She could fall faster than than I could, uh, and you know it was a different because it it helped her relax in terms of her body position, so she'd be able to to you know fly more as opposed to just fall straight in in a column of air. So yeah, I think. But adding lead, it depends on who you're jumping with. Like you, you don't always need it, but if you're going to be, and this is one of the great things about jumping with a team. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a laundry list of them, but you know, by jumping with the same people all the time, you're not thinking about, oh, what's the fall rate going to be? Should I wear the baggy suit or should I wear the tight suit? How many pounds should I put on? You, you know, these answers as a, you know, you also know the answers about, oh, what's our landing pattern going to be? Who's going to land first? Like we know that. What's cat's favorite part of asparagus? (laughs) You don't know that answer, Dave. I don't know the answer to Cat's favorite. You have a challenge. Only you, baby. You have a challenge this weekend to learn what is Cat's favorite part of asparagus. We'll be be throwing it on the grill on a (laughs) Friday or Saturday night, and I will hear about (laughs) it at the DZ the next day, man. (laughs) Really, that's not common knowledge to your team. No. So, well, you got to tell the world now. I can't sit here and wonder why. Like, that's Cat's business. I have no idea what you're that is really about. truly Cat's business. I have no idea. <laughs> so, you're referring to the fact that it makes your pee smell. I don't know. That's Cat's business. Because we, we, I don't know, but I I'm assuming, <laughs> and he, I think, I think he's trying to lead that <laughs> along there. Um, and we've had numerous conversations about the asparagus pee smell. Actually, it's a frequent. Yeah, Spaceline light. Dude, if topic. I'm on the drop zone and Cat had asparagus the night before, I will hear about it the next day with a giddy look. I had asparagus last night, and I'm thinking you just went pee, did it? You? <laughs> she says yes. No. Um, I'm pleading the fifth. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So at this point now, Spaceland Light has evolved. Of 2014, Dave, you enter the team, and one of the questions I asked is: Is Spaceland Light originally named because of Sans? Uh, wait, belt. 
but also it's because what was part of the intention you guys are so lighthearted as the group that started out yeah yeah it's all of the above it's being able to talk about the relationship that we have like you talked about um as well as a, a pun on letting go of the, the let and being able to just fall lighter yeah. And Valerie has shot so many four-way teams and so many uh, different other FS things. And that's one thing that stood out right away is you guys were such a relaxing time for her. So much fun. Now you guys are the two of you. Kim, say her last name, please. Hollander. Hollander. Why do I want to say there's a G in there? What was the other Kim's name? So, so, so her maiden name is Hager. That's where there's okay. So, there you, so I think I think on Facebook she might be Kim Hager Hollander. Okay, maybe I want to say it was, was Hollinger. So <laughs> you, you, you I can yeah. call her that. So so Kim Kim she has been my teammate every year since I think 2009, except for one year. Uh, so I, I have a ton of time with her as my peace partner. You guys come as a package as far as four-way goes as i you guys were on the same team together with valerie Mm -hmm. y'all come here together and then your fourth is andre Mm -hmm. what's his last name van heerden (laughs) van (laughs) you you gotta roll the r he's he's south african uh and so you know they've got that that dutch background and Mm -hmm. so they talk funny so i can't say here i I can't say yeah, I can imagine there's been hours of drunken conversation making you say his last name over and over again. I don't know what you're talking about. It never happened. <laughs> it never did. No. So you guys are all super lighthearted, but where does everybody come from? Because Kat, you're, you live down the road from me in the same town. Yes, I'm, I live here in Pearland, and I've lived in South Texas my whole entire life. Go Pearland. Woo-hoo. Suburbs. Um, Dave, where are you coming from? So I live in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, I lived in New Jersey my whole life, except for about nine months when I lived in New York City, and I couldn't tell you what happened, because <laughs> I partied like a rock star. Uh, and then Andre, I, Andre, I mean, he's he's from South Africa, but mm-hmm. he lives in New York City. Uh, and Kim, is uh, she, she now lives up uh, in Gardner, New York, which is actually where the ranch is. Uh, she used to live in New York City, and she's she, she'll kill me for saying this. She's a Jersey girl. So she's from New Jersey as well. She didn't need you to tell us that, man. But I did. <laughs> you called her out anyways. So this, this is going to be my test to see if she listens to this. There, <laughs> so everybody comes from the Northeast down here most of the time, or do you go up there some, cat? Well, uh, in two weeks, I'll be up there. It would be my second time to be there at the ranch. Yeah, I went so, there last year one so, time. So, so okay, cats come up. We, do, we we like to do the, the New Hampshire Tunnel Meet, Okay, which, yep. is, which is... Uh, I, I, I think Ben Liston says it's the it's the largest attended uh, 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 belly competition outside of the U.S. Nationals. So so cats come up for a few years to to do that. Uh, and yeah, we're we're going to be doing a, a, uh, our last training camp before nationals at the ranch. So cats going to be coming up for that. Uh, but yeah, usually like w- when obviously when it was uh, you know an all Texas team, they were here. When I joined the team, I. Came down here. It's you know, there's a there's a lot of options to get from the New York area to Houston, uh, and it's pretty cheap. Uh, and then when Kim joined the team, we just kept it going. And then Andre joined the team, and we just we just kept it going. The reality is, you know, having trained at a lot of drop zones, uh, Spaceland Houston is built 
for training if that's what you want to do. You land next to the hangar, you, you walk into the packing room, it's air conditioned. Uh, the loading area is right next to the packing room. They're, they're all, almost always giving us 10-5 passes, which means we get a couple extra minutes on the ground when we're doing back-to-backs. We can get the jumps that we want. Uh, the, the staff is great. Everything is, it, it's a great place to train. Absolutely the best. We're a little biased. Yeah. Um, Nick and I prefer the place. So one question that people ask me all the time is, why does the team get out at 10-5? One of them you just said is it's in a couple extra minutes between That's loads. not why. <laughs> but that's not the real reason. So, so the competition is from 10-5. So the, the history of four-way, uh, and I think you know, the, the reason that it's four is because that's how many people you can cram into a 182. So originally, four-way was out of a 182, and the video was done from the ground. And can't really get a 182 with four pieces of meat plus a pilot to go much higher than 10.5. So that that's the altitude, and then what they call working time, which is it's you know it's a timed event. That's a Kirk Verner thing. It's a timed event. Uh, <laughs> clock starts when hopefully everyone leaves the airplane at the same <laughs> time. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work that way. So whenever the first person leaves the airplane. Uh, and it's it's from that point you get 35 seconds to make as many formations in the sequence that you can. So if you're getting out at 10.5, you're going to hit those 35 seconds probably around like 5.5, five, maybe 5,000 feet. So you have more than enough time to to you know finish up, break off, open pl- plenty high. So you know at nationals the event is run from from 10.5. So how many training jumps will you guys have this year before you get to nationals? If, if we get good weather this weekend and we get good weather up at the ranch <coughs> and we're, we're shooting for three days. Probably about 150. Yeah, maybe 150 to 170. And is that a number you guys talk about at the beginning of the season of we want to do X number of training jumps this year? We don't really talk about number of jumps. We talk about commitment level from time away. So I get how, and depending on the big, the, the what, where we're at in the season, right? The beginning of the season doesn't make a whole lot of sense to commit two or three weekends per month. That makes more sense towards the end of the season, ramping up towards national. So we look at it as when we're starting, how often do we want to get together, especially with the guys not being here locally because that requires time away. It means travel. It means airfare, you know, all of those things that you have to put into consideration. Um, And so we, we look at it as how many weekends can we be together and how does that look like from a um, currency perspective, you know, ramping up the most current you are for nationals and how many jumps it just turns out to be. Yeah. I think unless you're training at Eloy, uh, I think setting a goal for a jump number uh, and if assuming that you are rewarded by reaching your goals, you're setting yourself up for failure because uh, there's weather, no matter what. There, there's going to be weather, a plane's going to be broke, you know, whatever. If you commit to the time, these are the weekends where we are committed. We're going to be jumping. If the weather's bad, maybe we'll go to the tunnel. If we don't want to do that, we're going to go have a barbecue and sit in the hot tub or whatever. It's, a, it's just a, an overall commitment to the team. When we're at the drop zone and the weather's good, we want to jump our butts off. You know, we want to do back-to-backs. We want to get at least 12 jumps a day. Ideally, we want to be done by 
you know, one thirty, two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> because then we can go to the hot tub and, <laughs> and drink. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask well, if, if you guys are the sort of team that on a weather hold, do you guys dirt dive and walk it and, and do d- drills of, and stuff, or do you guys hang out and, d- d- and barbecue? It's a balance. Yeah, d- to an extent. I th- but I think that we've, we've all realized that there's a certain point where <clears throat> mentally we're, we're just not checked in anymore. And so we'll just call if we're sitting, you know, the weather's iffy, like it might be tomorrow and Saturday where we might get a couple jumps and we're down for an hour, a couple jumps down for an hour. That actually tires you out more than just banging out jumps. So come three o'clock, if mentally we're starting to check out, it doesn't make sense. We're not getting the value for value for a skydiving dollar, you know, of, of making the jumps. Although that does change. With it being nationals right around the corner, because nationals don't care if you're mentally ready or not. Yeah, when, when they tell you to go, yep. you go. Yeah. It might be sunset load, and you might have been there at 5.30 in the morning. They don't care. And so you have to get your mind in that kind of readiness, no matter what has happened all day long. It could have been bad weather all day long. But if you get that 20 minute call, you got to figure out what it yeah. is that you have to do to get your arousal level ready for that skydive. Yeah, and I think it, it, I, I'm coaching a new intermediate team this year. And th- this is something that I'm trying to teach them. It's like, look, you guys do need to go through the whole day. I think for us, we've been down that road enough time. We've been that team that was at, you know, at nationals before sunrise. And we were the last load landing and it was dark. Uh, so I think we're a little more trained for it. And so I think we can kind of be selfish and give up a a little more easy because we know how, how we handle those, those situations. There's no doubt any sport veterans show up for, they don't show up for spring training as soon as somebody else does. They don't do off season training as much as somebody else does. They have more fight camps. Well, as you've got the experience, part of what you've trained for is the experience. Yeah, so so Jack Jeffries, who was one of the founding members of Airspeed, he doesn't train anymore. He doesn't really jump anymore. He, he goes to nationals. He does eight-way with Airspeed, wins a gold medal, and goes home. It, it's amazing, some of those Airspeed guys. Yeah. You guys <coughs> don't die on this cat. Is that Scott's going to kill you over there? We, we don't have an alternate for this weekend. Man, I thought, <laughs> those, ice cubes, I thought those ice cubes were helping you out. <laughs> hey, I... Uh, I can fill in if you want to lose. I mean, if you want to, if you want to look really good at four way, put me next to you. The rest of the team won't. I mean, but you look good. Well, what would you say is the biggest challenge for a, a new team, in your experience? Pro- probably going back to what we were saying before about agreeing on. Well, two things: wanting to hang out with each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teams will come together for the wrong reason. They'll be like, "Oh, do you want to do a four way team?" Okay, I, I was on that team in two thousand three. We melted down the creeper pad right before round nine, and we would have gotten a negative score if it was possible. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, you, you got to like each other. And then the, the commitment level. The, the, everybody has, has to agree on that. And I was, I was really fortunate this year to kind of be part of the genesis of a, of a new intermediate all-women four-way team up at Sky's the Limit. And, you know, they've been leaning on me for advice and, and it's been really good, I think, as an exercise for me to really think about these things. And yeah, th- these are really <laughs> the right things. 
uh, and you know, I think they're they're having a great time because their their goals are the same, their commitment level is the same, uh, and if there's bad weather, they'll have a great time hanging out with each other. Let's just say that I'm a, a new jumper. I'm interested in doing four-way, mm-hmm. but I don't have a team yet. Mm-hmm. Are there any steps I could take to be ahead of the game when I when I find my teammates? So, so the, the, there's two things. One is for jumping, a, a lot of drop zones run scrambles meets. And scrambles meets, uh, to me, uh, I kind of think of scrambles as kind of the, the Thanksgiving of skydiving events because Everybody shows up. You've got the kids. You got the drunk uncle. You got you got everybody, and you don't know who you're going to be sitting next to. And a scrambles meet is you know it's pseudo randomized teams. Um, a lot of drop zones they'll make it such that each four way team has a very experienced person and at least one newbie. Uh, at sky's the limit, sometimes they'll it, it, the last time I did a scrambles meet, it was me. A 75-year-old guy with an arm that didn't work, and and two 50 jump wonders, and and I think we got the bronze uh, because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, kind of like the drunk uncle at the Thanksgiving table. So that that that's a great thing because then you learn a little bit about four way. You get some exposure to some very experienced jumpers who can give you some tips. And the other is uh, tunnel stuff. And you know, uh, you know, we we've run you know four way. Uh, uh, four, four way based tunnel camps before. J- J- Justin attended one a, a couple years ago. A couple of them. Um, oh, did but I did one. What you did too? Sorry. Yeah. Hey, he he met me. He's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> um, Fuck that guy. Yeah. Doing stability uh, drills with you. Yeah. That's a whole other <laughs> ball game. <laughs> um, and so you know, it's, it's stuff like stuff like that. I think I think can really help. And then. I was talking earlier about like the New Hampshire tunnel meet. It's in the middle of winter. Often there's a blizzard, but there's a huge number of people, and so many teams are put together last minute, and often it's sort of scramble-esque where you have one or two really experienced people and one or two really new people, uh, and just you just get to see it in a uh, sort of a low-pressure environment and to kind of just get the basics of what is four-way what? Why is this so fun? Uh, and then you can decide if if it's something that you that you want to do. So how how do you feel about a teammate who's uh, taken the time to memorize the dive pool, versus someone who is having to think their way through every move? So, if in my first year doing four way, I I used to commute on the train every day, and I would stare at the dive pool and to, just to just to memorize them because it was important to me to to memorize it. Uh, it, eventually, that that will come. You know, you, you'll 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 learn it if you, you do it enough, and and you'll learn it. Uh, f- funny thing about the, the dive pool: each formation has a name, name uh, and a number, and, or a, letter, and a number right? or a letter. And there are different uh, different philosophies on how you learn. The Golden Knights go by the names. Airspeed goes by numbers and letters. Actually, most people go by numbers and letters. My teammate, Kim Hollander, she was mostly trained by the Golden Knights, and so she knew all the names. She didn't know the numbers and letters, and when she and I first, when, when she joined the team with me and uh, Bob and Kim Schuyler, uh, I think in 2009, um, she spent a week with her husband doing flashcards. 
to, to, to learn them. And then that was actually one of the things she and I drove up to the New Hampshire tunnel meet together. That was like when we really got to know each other was sitting in the car for three hours. Uh, and I was testing her on, uh, on them because ultimately it, it's more convenient to know them by numbers and letters. Uh, but either way, like if you don't know them right away, we all learn differently. Going back to what we were saying before about as a coach trying to connect, you know, how, how does this person learn? Well, some people learn by rote memorization. Some people learn by doing. So, and you know, maybe they need to learn by feel. Like some people can walk a skydive and they learn it. Some people need to creep it in, in order to learn it. it it's, it's all different ways, but it, it, it's the result that really matters. And then for the teammates to understand how does that person learn? And then therefore, how can I be a better teammate to, to help my, t my teammate learn this thing, which is, which is huge. So let's say on your guys's four, I don't even know what a four looks like in, in four way. Monopod monopod. Okay. So do you know every slot in monopod yes. monopod? And is that the same with all of the, 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 the entire dive pool? Do you know all the slots? Do you guys take turns flying each slot? So, so sometimes, sometimes we do. And well, so once you get to the advanced pool, um, you start switching slots in the sequence. There's a, a number of blocks that, that switch us. And those are things that move a 180, is that right? Well, it's not that they move a 180, but suppose that Kat and I were peace partners. Mm -hmm. The 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 inter. Will, will of you the explain block. the difference between a peace partner and a cross partner before you before the, you get the, into this? So the, the cross partner is. You got the, four of us right here. Yeah. Just so yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. For anyone so doing if math today, if, if, if you're not watching, we're yeah. sitting in uh, a square a circle. slash circle. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 this this is an M. A round. A round. <laughs> it's a star. Star. So so you you and I you and I would be cross partners, and then depend depending on who is which slot. Maybe DJ and I would be peace partners. Or maybe Kat and I would be peace partners. And so cross partner someone who you're looking at, referencing yes. levels. Peace partner someone who you're moving with yeah. in, in something. So, so in a lot of the blocks, they'll break up into, for sake of simplicity, into two groups of two. And then those two, the, those individual subgroups will, will do something together. Uh, which may be the same thing that the other subgroup does or may be something different than what the other subgroup does. And a block meaning a formation that has a starting point, movement, and an ending point. Exactly. Just, the, just for people who listening yeah. who don't the, know. The, the, the movement is known as the enter. Um, and there are some blocks where in the, in the movement of spinning around, the, the finish of it ends up with either two people, to, two peace partners in, different, in each other's slot Mm -hmm. Or maybe both sets of peace partners are in each other's slot. So when you move from intermediate to advanced, you add these slot switching blocks. So you have to learn that your your peace partner slot. Um, in the past, so I, I, in the years I've flown four way, I've flown competitively three of the four slots. I think you've you've probably I think flown all of them. At this point, yeah. Um, and then when we would run tunnel camps, uh, we would end up flying all of them because we're, we're doing two-on-two -two camps. So it's two coaches and two campers. And so we need to be on our game to do the right thing, even in a slot that's not terribly familiar to us. Uh, something I personally learned this year, uh, because I'm actually coaching two teams, and so I have to give them a lot of information, and I, have, I want to make sure I give them the right information. So I've had to do a lot of thinking 
particularly about the slots I don't know very well to make sure that I give them the, the, the right advice. And there were a couple that I really don't know uh, for, for the front piece, which is, which is Kat and Andre. And I actually sent Kat an email at the beginning of the season. So do you have any secret stuff on block 12? <laughs> because I'd, I don't really know block 12 for the front piece. I mean, if, if I was thrown into it and I had to do it, I'd do something. It, it probably wouldn't be the most efficient, yeah, you, efficient get way to get there. you there, but efficiency is yeah, the key to, to yeah. speed, right? Um, and, you know, th there's you know all the pictures and, and the different things that you look for and when you do this and when you do that and the subtlety of do you go forward, do you side slide a little bit and all, and all that. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're all at the level now. We're, we all know all of the slots. And then f for me, the slot I never get to fly is point. So if I'm ever doing a fun four-way and you ask me what slot I want to fly, I want to fly point. Point being front float? Front and side? Andre? Yeah. Either or, depending on what the exit are. But typically the, the point is um, inside, but in the front towards the, the pilot. The guy we kick out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to, to put some names to it, just to help everybody out, tell is usually outside rear. Mm-hmm. Outside center is outside front. Mm -hmm. Inside center is inside rear. middle, but yeah. rear mm -hmm. of the two. And, and point is inside-ish most of the time front. Yep. Um, and, and slot switchers are basically outside center turns into inside center. Nope. And inside, is that what? No, nope. so, so that, that would be a mirror, which, okay. which, which doesn't exist. Like that, if you go watch videos from 15 years ago, there were mirrors. Yeah. And the, hmm. the centers would switch. Uh, nobody does that anymore. So, t so tail and inside center will will switch, and outside center and point will switch. There it's who your piece partner is. So, like when like Dave was talking about earlier, who you do your blocks with. Like I would do my most of my blocks with the point flyer, and so when we have slot switchers, me and him change roles. He becomes what I am, and I become what he is. Okay, and, and then that that will last through if there's only one slot switcher in in the sequence that will last through what we call a page and a page is you know there are these five or six formations in the sequence and one of those will actually switch the, uh, the page is essentially the draw one time through is that exactly right? yeah. exactly uh so the switcher will switch those two people into their other slot but then when you get back around to the sequence again you'll switch back. So when you're in, in your home slot, we call it your A slot. And when you're in your not home slot, it's your, your B slot. Val complained about those so much. <laughs> uh, all the points I know that the MNOPQ21 crap is from doing flashcards with my wife. And <laughs> I did oh, flashcards too, man. Got dude, it. I learned AB from that. You want to be on a team, you better learn that shit. Dude, know it, man. It, it's how important do you... Th so you said some teams, the Golden Knights, like the name, and some teams like to know 21-O-N. Why do you think knowing the letters is better? It, it's just, it's easier. It's less. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less stuff to write down. It's, it's uh, it, you know, if, me, if, 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 if you're doing, you're doing jump five and you've done five back-to-backs and you don't remember the skydive and you say to someone on the plane, this happens all the time, you say to someone on the plane with the door open, what's the jump again? It's way easier for someone to say 21-5-F than to say zigzag marquee opal opal open accordion. 
too many syllables, too many things, you know, it's just Especially easier. when you're writing out a draw, like the tunnel practice, you got the whiteboard. You don't want to write all that shit out. Yeah. Something else I've heard uh, is when you're turning points as quick as I do, you can say zigzag marquee while you're putting it together. Uh, but teams who are actually turning points faster than me, you're thinking faster than you can say the name. You're using that audio cue response of saying 21. What was Opal again? Five, thank you. Uh, Twenty-one five five. So it, it's faster to actually to to to, thi- to fly thinking the letters and numbers for some people. Is, yep. Yeah. Is no, so for for me, I w- when I'm walking to the door, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the exit and, and that first point. And as as soon as I'm getting to that first point, I'm just going into that sequence with those numbers and letters. And the whole time, that that's what I'm thinking about is is just the sequence of numbers and letters. And try not to kick anybody in the head. <laughs> Hard. Nick, you've done some VFS. A little bit. Is it the same for you? Is your it's exactly the same. I, I feel like thinking of the, the numbers and the letters, to me, makes it easier to think about what's next. Because that's when you're really in the, in the groove and something's really working, thinking about the next point when you're still building the previous point, in my brain, that's when it would really get moving. I have a question for you. Someone who is intermediate to VFS. How do you remember a one from an up one and a one from a down one? Do you remember up one, down up, one? Up one and down one. I don't think I know like, what you so mean. So head up one and head down Okay, so one. a one is drawn. A one is all head down. Okay, then maybe that's my problem that my <laughs> that I get. I so, get like... <laughs> if you're doing a VFS camp, we will often modify formations so that it suits someone's skill level. Where if you look at the dive pool, one is all head down. So they're just like just like advanced and intermediate. The you doing all right? Yeah, I'm telling Dave. There's no way I'm head down. Oh, this. Okay. <laughs> I'm head up. So yeah, a one it's is the one is it for, and the for dummy two-way one. VFS. Is that way as well? That just tells you how I'm, intermediate I am in VFS. I have flown very little two-way VFS okay. and MFS, but I believe that it all follows the dive pool. So like with with because uh, that's so confusing. I get I literally get a list. And I have a one for a head up move and mm-hmm. a one for a head down move. And it's like, why? So the, the one in the, in the rule book is an all head down point. Okay. In advanced, the, the points are all head down. There can only be one upright flyer at a time. Okay. And there's only one, gosh, I don't know the brand new blocks, but uh, last time I was competing, there was only one block that was in the advanced uh, draw that had two upright flyers ever, and it's that it was still only one at a time. There was a transition involved where there would be a second upright flyer, but we could do we could say okay, so we're gonna do the one. That makes so we, much more we, sense. We would know all know <laughs> what the one is. So it's three people in a round, one stinger, and then that person either has to carve all the way out in a three sixty, yeah. or you can cheat it where they do one eighty and the round turns the opposite one eighty. Or I could just say hey, that that's what the one is. Or I could say hey, we're gonna do a head up one. Which is the same formation, same flying, but now we're just all head up. Which, which we might do if the person who's learning this formation can't fly on their head. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. It's uh, do in four way VFS. Are you guys still calling point tail inside outside centers? We never really talked about it that way. Mostly because the teams I've been on were primarily tunnel teams uh-huh. who would skydive sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we would usually look at it. Build it around um, 
kind of it started it starts you kind of build things around people's strengths first and then you figure out what works best and then if you look at the dive pool there are usually colors so like yep. usually i'm going to be green usually you're going to be red whatever sometimes we would follow those things and sometimes we would change it because a different thing worked better for us did I answer your question? That no, straight but, up. But we didn't talk about it that way. We'd usually go in and say, "Okay, well, uh, like Jay was usually our primary upright guy. Okay, great. Here's the nine. Jay's going to be upright, and then, um, oh no, we're going to do the sixteen, and it because this is after it. Now Constantine's going to be upright first, or whatever. We would really just engineer it around uh, the entirety of what that particular draw was, and uh, play it to our strengths as much as we could." And then we'd figure everything out in the tunnel, and then we'd say, okay, cool, let's go make a skydive with this stuff, and we'll figure out the exit. Do you guys ever do that with belly four-way, with belly FS? Where you mean like like people that's sometimes doing different things as opposed no. to... No. no. Yeah, it's like, I will kill you, sacrilege. <laughs> no, because it's, it's all about turning things. It It's the same concept around in, in belly flyers. We talked about, well... What L are we going to do? Because there are different ways to do a formation, right? But if you train heavily and you have in your muscle memory without even thinking, this is my L, this is what I do, that's going to be way faster than anything by paper, it looks like, engineering-wise. Like, oh, that's going to be quicker because it's a shorter move. But you lose your muscle memory for a trained so team. It, 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 it depends, I think, on... How much training you're doing? So, Trained so, so airspeed, seven, eight hundred jumps a year. <coughs> they probably have four or five different L's. They have probably three Q's. Uh, like we, we, we don't have a lot. A lot of that we we do do both nines. Um, but but a lot a lot of things we'll we'll just do them straight up. And we, when we're engineering things, when we're walking them, we will always walk it being. Just straight up. This is how this is how we've always trained it. If somebody says, "Hey, let's just look at this other thing," and there's a couple of instances where the other thing does make sense, but to to Kat's point, if if we all agree that we're going to do the alternate B, and sometimes the alternate B makes makes sense coming from an 18, the alternate B makes a lot of sense, but if somebody brain locks because they're just thinking B. And they go to their the regular B. Any advantage that you might have had in doing it that other way, you've just lost. Um, so we'll 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 investigate it. If if three people really want to do it, but one person raises their hand, they can veto it because if if somebody's not comfortable with that alternate because they think they're going to brain lock or they think they're going to hesitate, it's going to slow everyone down. And ultimately, the, the judges are, you have to think of the judges as, you know, some of them are skydivers, some of them are not skydivers at all. That's crazy. And, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're just sitting there pushing buttons on a, on a video, video game, game controller, um, and they'll get confused. And when they get confused, they, they get the, the twitchy bust thumb button going, <laughs> and uh, you know, if, they don't, if they don't know what they just saw, they'll just bust you. So wait a minute. Uh, I know a lot of judges in skydiving are less experienced skydivers. Are some of the judges actually not skydivers? No, not skydivers yeah. at all. There are there are some judges out there at nationals who yes. don't that skydive is, that is at correct. all. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
man, uh, MMA. Uh, so I don't follow <laughs> skydiving as much as I follow MMA, and it has the same problem. Judges, you can't score what you've never done. How uh, how you, do you feel? I, like, I don't, you can, I don't think you necessarily have to have the skill set to be able to do the thing. But I they also some? think that there should be more than just a rudimentary understanding of, of what's going on. Well, but an, inter- an interesting point, and I, I think that it would be interesting to, for you guys to have Jim Rees on here sometime because he would he could explain this to you. But I think part of it is um, the cat has her judges rating. I've never gotten my judges rating, and I keep saying I'm going to do it, and I haven't. But one thing that Jim has told me is that the the problem for me is going to be. I know what I want to see because, oh, they're going to be building this thing and I know what it's, what it's going to look like and I'm rooting for them. I know too much. And so it's, it's almost better to, you, you can, may, may have the ability to be more objective by not saying, oh, that guy almost turned all the way. I'll give it to him. Or, or that you know physically in order to do what they just did, they had that grip. And by the rules, it doesn't matter if you know for sure if they had it. The rules is, do you see that they had it? Did they show that stationary? And that's where having someone who doesn't do this will give you a more true or potentially answer or or judgment. I'm going to agree with both sides here. I think that someone like formation skydiving is pretty objective. Yep. Is this shape built, Mm -hmm. right? But someone who's judging freestyle. For example, I mean, you don't know how hard that thing is. You <laughs> haven't learned anything like that. You cannot put into perspective at all the difficulty of this trick versus that trick. And so I think that there, that's kind of a gray area where I don't think someone without the experience, without the appreciation and value of that skill set, should be able to value someone's ability to put Are it together that way. Are you a freestyle judge? No. Uh, anyone here? <laughs> A judge in freestyle? You are? I have no. I'm, I'm a, I was going to oh, ask a question. I, I've I'm seen not, freestyle I'm not judged, judge. which is what gives me this opinion. Of I've seen people do things like people who are doing like side flying, which is impossible, but there are people who are amazing at it, doing side flying layouts, mm. which is hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of tunnel time to, to learn this thing. And to see it just dismissed as like, hey... Hey, stupid judge that knows nothing. This is the coolest shit you've ever seen in your fucking life (laughs) happening in front of you. And you think that the twirly going up to the top of the tunnel shit was better than that? Come on. Is there not rules and definitions to put things into certain categories of difficulties? There are in a lot of the compulsory rounds. But when we're just talking about artistic freestyle, your free routine, I think that's... To me, when I watch a tunnel competition, that is by far the most exciting event because it's one person in the tunnel who has to entertain what is usually the largest crowd at the competition. Isn't and if, if you all by yourself can be more entertaining mm-hmm. than eight people doing formation skydiving in there, you're doing something fucking cool. I agree. And, and I think that that person deserves that person deserves to be judged by someone who appreciates the difficulty of their routine. Didn't um, free flying in general have that same argument a long time ago? It's subjective. Yeah, it's subjective. Uh, And unfortunately, like you're saying, you know, we know how difficult it is. Um, And for right or wrong, until there are rules to define the difficulty of that level, it is somewhat subjective to your audience of who you're you're looking at. I I don't think, I, I, I never knew I was even competitive until I, started doing competitive skydiving. Uh, I don't think I would 
have the tolerance for uh, judging judging that is subjective. <laughs> like I I I I like it. Just you know, did you do it or did you not do it? Yeah, I saw the timer. It. I saw the grips. Yeah, yeah. That that that's it. Um, you know, I, I I I'm not pretty. So, so I wouldn't Maybe do well in one of those. Maybe it's just an opportunity to have the rules defined to give the people, you know, that level of this is a complexity move. It, you get so many points for. But what about the people who are making up new moves? I, I They're know. doing some shit that no one's yeah, written down I, I on mean, paper I, I, anywhere. Every every four years, uh, you know, so the, 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 the um, masses are exposed to this in in you know the Winter Olympics in figure say, skating. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the amount of controversy and. Bullshit that goes on there. How it's do because they do it? it's, subje- it's because it's subjective, and they argue and they complain, and they throw out like the top score, and they throw out the bottom score, and they think that's going to somehow equalize things. But somebody will put together this great routine, but because they're from a country that a bunch of the judges don't like, oh, how'd they get that low score? Oh, you'll never really know, and it'll it'll get written about, you know, in, in some sports page somewhere, and that's the end yeah. of it. Almost every artistic sport that I know of, whether it's martial arts. Or, or ballet or anything like that, or figure skating, it, they all have that controversy of the subjective yeah. judge. And yeah, to me, I think about it because I, I was on a four or a free fly team. We were we weren't good. It was new. Nationals wasn't even a thing for free fly yet. But we were taught to train to, or excuse me, yeah, yeah, to train to the judges, know what the judges like. And the last meet we did, we knew the judges. They were friends of ours, and we knew what they trained, so we trained routines like they did because we knew what impressed them. They, we knew what they liked, and, we, and they actually called out, these guys did what we liked. This is, and it was one of the lessons, train to the judges. So I think of it I'm not differently. saying it's a right thing to do, but. <laughs> no, it's, in a subjective sport, it's, it's, it's a smart it thing to do. It absolutely makes sense that. Yeah, do the stuff that the judges like and you'll get a yeah. better score. That make that makes total sense. Unless you're someone who likes to push the boundaries and then are you really doing it to you know what I mean? You're you are the one wanting to come up with the new and exciting things, right? Yeah. I mean I would love to. I'm just not that good. You're that good. I've oh, seen you fly. I've seen you fly. <laughs> nope. You're a good follower in the tunnel. I, I can follow like a motherfucker. Yeah, What's yeah. up? But you are good at designing videos and stuff. I can put some stuff together. Dude, uh, you're the best. Man, uh, some really cool videos. Uh, four way, one of the things that I was taught, John Hamilton, I, I think you know the name, John? Yep. You know him? Okay, cool. Hamilton was on Airspeed once upon a time. He was doing team seminars in Elsinore when I w- was a young jumper. And he encouraged us uh, before you commit to a team, A, just jump together, even as that team unit, but don't say you're a team. Just fly together, but B, go hang out, have dinner, and go drink together, hang out at each other's house, and go to a bar at night together. As new jumpers finding a team, how important do you think that advice is? More important than finding a team. What do you mean? It's that's we we we're all drawn drawn to this sport because of the sport, but that's not what any of us are actually about. We're all about so much more than that. So the sport is the magnet that brings us together, and the sport is. <laughs> oh. uh, and, and the, the sport and I don't I don't have a lot of reference to say other sports are like it but but certainly this sport brings together people I think from a much more diverse set of backgrounds than a lot you know you look at golf it it's a bunch of right you know rich white guys um you look at skydiving and you got everybody uh from all walks of life different professions different different uh 
different, different, you know, political leanings, different, different everything. Find people that you want to hang out with, and then maybe think about doing doing a team. Um, but but hang hang out with them first and, and get to know them. Or are you going to be the team I was on in 2003 that melted down on the creeper pad at Nationals? Nick, it's the same, I think, in the tunnel world for you guys. You've gone through a couple teams. or Yeah, I've been on two, two teams. One, uh, actually, we both, both teams started with the goal of competing at Nationals. One went, one didn't. And you guys, you competed at USPA Nationals? Uh, 2012. Team Friendship. I remember that now. Yeah. Because of the team name. Who was on that team, though? That was myself, Ben Roan, with, like, 75 jumps. We faked him a C license for the competition. And but we didn't hear that here. Yeah. What are you going to do? Go back and tell the kid. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, Reese Wilson, who is a tunnel instructor at iFly Utah, does a lot of the, the tunnel camps there. And then a uh, buddy of mine, Mike, who now owns Skydive Utah. And then our video guy, Brett, who I don't even know if Brett skydives anymore. That was the year between you being at Spaceland, right? That was right before I came to Spaceland, yeah. Before you came the first time or came back? Before I came the first time. Yep. Okay. So we competed. Uh, then I moved to, to Spaceland f- six months after Nationals, probably. And then we intended to continue doing the team, got team suits and everything. And then I don't think we ever made a single jump together in our team suit. <laughs> <laughs> so many teams fall apart that way. So many. Um, and Sonic at the ranch actually helped us with a, he gave us a, a team sponsorship deal for the suits. And then I don't think any of us ever told Sonic we weren't going to nationals. <laughs> and then so nationals <laughs> happened and he's like, hey, what happened? You guys weren't there in those suits that I helped you out with. And I'm like, I don't know. We didn't <laughs> go. Skydiving. 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 You need to tell Sonic to come visit here sometime. Tell him if he ever he's ever in Houston, come and sit. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I actually, uh, when I see him, I want to invite him. It's just, you got to kind of be in Houston to come here. It makes it a lot more convenient. It really does. So how many times have you been here this year? How many times has Spaceland Light come together? Oh, Man, they're what, doing what, math what, now. What, what, what camp number is it? Maybe. I don't know. I think our first uh, jumping camp was May. This year, we had a late start for jumping in Texas. No, we, I think we, we did. did. We did well, well. Yeah, we we did we did a uh, we did a camp at Paraclete. Yep. Right. That was tunnel and jumping with our and coach BK. First weekend of May. Uh. So yeah, we we were together at the New Hampshire Tunnel Meet in January. Was this late start due to due to weather or due to just other team complications? So, 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 jokingly, I've referred to us this year as the team that doesn't have our shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't say that, but yeah, it's, we we have been because we've been doing this so long. We, I think we've been a little more lackadaisical about some things, and so I think by the time we got around to planning, it's like, oh, I'm gone for three weeks. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I got to do that. So, yeah, but this is probably, I don't know, maybe seventh camp. Maybe. I know I've seen you a lot here this year. And you say you were lackadaisical, lazy, getting started with the planning. Typically in the last few years, when did Nationals is over? How long before you guys talk about the next season? Well, you, you need to decompress after Nationals. Uh, I think there's two things after Nationals. One, there's the post-Nationals depression. 
it, it, it's a thing. It really is a thing. I it's mean, like, does that? So does, oh, does it vary depending on your your placement and the and the standing? That, that's part of it. But it's you know, like now we we go we do four way we do eight way we do sixteen way we do ten way ten ways over and then you're just like, but 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 that that's it. We're, we're, we're gone. We're we only competed in four different disciplines. Um, and so, so then it's like, well, now what are we going to do? And so, you, and so you get over the depression. You need to decompress a little bit. Everybody kind of needs to regroup and think about, well, what do I myself want to do for next year? Uh, but that is kind of the time when people really start talking about, talking to, to other people. Uh, this is when teams teams you know start forming, and maybe they'll do a trip to to Eloy or to Paris or or they'll just do a tunnel camp down down at Paraclete to try it try out new people. Um I think at the end of last year uh so actually at the end of last year Andre before nationals Andre said he was one and done. He wanted to uh mm. focus on some other things. He's uh he's building a house and he's got some other stuff going on. Uh I think we got a text message from him while he was on the way to the airport to go home from Nationals, <laughs> where he said, so if you guys want to do this again next year, I'm in if you'll have me. So his one-night stand <laughs> turned into a relationship, yeah, is what you're telling exactly. me. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it just took, took us a while to, to kind of get together, and it's... You know, e- even though three of us are close uh, proximity-wise, like we don't really get together. Like I, I, I live really close to New York City. I'll see Andre sometimes for we'll grab a drink or a bite. Uh, but it's a bunch of emails back and forth, and I don't think we actually really start planning things until we're, all four of us are together. And we, we do a lot of planning while we're you know in the car <laughs> driving to the drop zone. It's like when's our next camp, and and okay, are you free this weekend? Are you free that weekend? Uh, and so it it just took us a while this year to to put things together. But we also did a couple really fun things in our off season. Like um, I know I did a really great two on two camp with Dave. That's right. That was well, you, super you, you you were the the two on two camp. I was the instigator of getting so people tunnel camp or skydiving. Tunnel camp. Yeah, for the new people who are listening, if they're wanting to get into the four way or even thinking about it. Any opportunity you can to get in a tunnel and do two-on-two, that's the best way to learn. It doesn't, hands down, the best way to learn. So, so the, the, the way, the way two-on-two would work is, you know, ideally two people who are relatively new and two people who are very experienced, like myself and Kat. Uh, and when you're, you're flying four-way, your peace partner is always, you know, a coach. Person, and the person across from you is, is always a coach as well so so you so, get so, the right visual oh, okay yeah. i got you and you get the right I, feeling i so thought you that get... you would put the two new people as cross partners but what you're saying makes far better sense than what than what i thought yeah so so this way they, they 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 always have that good reference you know for proximity and for fall rate they have someone across who they can just trust and so they can just be working on themselves as opposed to two newbies trying to match fall rate for it with each other uh the flip side is you know cat and i did a two-on-two camp you know, SDC Rhythm, and Cat, yep. Cat, and Kim. Yeah, did, me and Kim did, did, did it did with. A, uh, you did with it with Kirk and BK. Yeah, Gold Knights. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, a, a coach connecting with a with a student. 
you know, or an instructor <laughs> connected with a student. Um, the, but the, the flip side is for, for you as someone who is working with a coach, you need to find the coach that works right for you. And different coaches have different styles. You know, even though I can teach the same thing, you know, three different ways, I have a style and Kat has a style. And my style might work for DJ, but Kat's style might not. And the interesting thing, and Kat, since you, you, did, you did both of these, mm -hmm. you did both the, the Kirk and BK thing, and you also did the rhythm thing. Rhythm and Kirk and BK, two completely different, different styles of coaching, completely different styles of flying. And ultimately, you know, we need to figure out what, what works best for us individually and then what works best for us as a team. You guys mentioned coaching, and, and one of the things that I think people overlook regularly in skydiving, canopy piloting, free fall is coaching. Uh, one of the things I love that Tunnel's brought to us is a better awareness of our flight, but I really think tunnel coaching has really actually helped skydiving coaching, people becoming more aware of coaching and skydiving being important. I see people get trapped with sometimes the same coaches. And do you think it's important that you travel and go see other coaches? Do you think it's important that you bring outside so a lot of smaller drop zones will never see more than one person? Do you think it's important that they bring out inside another person like Thomas Hughes? I used to see him here a lot. Yeah. You're going to see him again. Well, uh, yeah. I, 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 no, I, I won't. Think, well, we, we, we might. I mean, you know, yeah. now that he's part of the Spaceland family. Yeah. No, right? he'll be in San Marcos. I'm in Houston. No. Um, so my personal opinion is I think it's super great um, to have a core person as your coach, but then to branch out and hear different things or see different things, you know, um, I think it's both. You know, I think it's good to have a common person you always go to because they know your past history and your progression, but I also think it's really great to go and get that different point of view or that different aspect like one particular coach um, might be really, really great coach, but maybe their really specialty is the back half of, of the, the group of people where another coach can give you a different aspect from the front half, which all relates, but it gives you a different perspective, not just from how to do a certain block, but from a different angle that you never even thought about. I, I guess the, the other thing, and you, you mentioned tunnels, and I, I I, absolutely, tunnels have changed the sport. You know that's that's a given. Um, one thing that we see though is that it it seems like everybody is a tunnel coach, and I and, and I've I've seen people I've seen people in tunnels. Spoiler alert: <laughs> They aren't. Cat's face is awesome right now. And I I've, I've seen people get coaching coaching people, and it's just awful and and uh, you know I, I just want to bite my tongue and because I, I i'm not going to say anything but it's like this is i just feel terrible for the person who's receiving that bad advice that bad instruction the, that, that doesn't person work that's the paying bad a lot of money exactly for that bad advice. and and the the other thing is with you know you've got eye flies everywhere now and i think that a lot of people have the idea that they can just get coaching from either they don't need coach. Oh, we have a tunnel. We'll just figure it out. Uh, or, oh, well, here's the tunnel, and wh whoever's the guy in the red suit is, is going to be is going to be good enough. And for certain things, you're right. But 
for for some some other things. Uh, if if you're doing something like four way, uh, you know your, your average tunnel guy might be an awesome flyer and may even be a good coach, but may not be able to to coach four way. May not even know how to fly with booties. Zero jumps with booties ever, not one. <laughs> Never done. Oh, dude, I seen your booty. You got some booty. You know I'm popping that booty, son. <laughs> White boy. <laughs> We're not going there. No. We're Enough not going booty. where. Enough booty talk. Wait, wait a minute. What's going on here, Kat? Is there a booty story I need to know about? What are we missing, Don't Dave? look at our text messages. There were some, te- there were some text messages. That <laughs> the power of the booty? I, I, oh. There were some. There it's were a messages sweet conversation. Yeah. You didn't blow out your booty, did you? No. <laughs> Andre did. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Andre breaks a lot of things, apparently. His helmet? No, you no. broke his helmet. No. Oh, no. we're talking about skydiving. All right, I thought I was talking about blowing <laughs> well, out the booty I, I, in a different Andre way. Andre did, did 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 break Cat's <laughs> bathroom. Nice blowing job. out his booty. <laughs> what? Davy, uh, we know it's serious when Davy comes out because I've not really heard that version many times in my life. I'm sorry. So I think <laughs> she's trying to say that Dave's full of shit. Do Do you guys remember? Literally. I, so. <laughs> I'm looking around the room and looking at how old everybody is here. Hey. D- d- well, but I'm dating myself by saying this, which is, do you remember that animated uh, Sunday no. morning thing called is Davy and Goliath? Absolutely it was, it not. It was this claymation thing. It was about this, yeah. this, this boy and his dog. And you didn't realize it at the time because you're watching it as a kid, but it has incredibly heavy-duty religious overtones to it. Um, but the dog could talk, and Davy would want to go do something, and and, and, and Goliath would be like, he'd be like, Davy, I, I don't think you should do that, Davy. I know that voice <laughs> exactly. I absolutely know the voice yeah, exactly. I don't remember this at all. I feel like <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. So Davey. so yeah, so, so they're on YouTube, Davy and Goliath, and then there's a there's a takeoff of it where it just it. It's really gory, and I think the dog ends up like ripping bodies apart and stuff. But it's still dogs like this. <laughs> All I can think of, I just want to hug him and squeeze him. I want to <laughs> hug him and squeeze him and love him and pet him. So, coaching, I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> I, I need to so, coaching, you're coaching two teams right now. Yes, you're coaching. Uh, I, I see you coaching regularly. What are you doing, Cat? I coach full time Toxic Heavy. Um, and then I just do some um, miscellany different people at the tunnel or at the drop zone. Um, been doing some help with some of the 20 way teams, trying to get their lineup and their time to first point a little bit better. Um, but a little wherever I can be of help, I, I try to help. It's one thing that has always stood out to me to you guys is you guys always give back and you're always willing to help. Uh, understand, folks, when you see somebody training at the drop zone, team instructor, coach, whoever, uh, they're probably really focused on them, and allowing them to focus on themselves will help you better. So when you see these guys training, let them train some. Uh, But at the same time, you guys are always very approachable for help. You guys, especially when you're not training, are always eager to, to help and give people a hand. But if somebody wants to get coaching from Dave Grabowski, which... 
Man, I've known you for a little while now, David. It makes me smile, dude. It's so badass. It really is. Or or Katrina. Uh, I always, I still want to call you Cat Autry because it's all it's what I've known you as for a while. But Shows, uh, how do they get a hold of you guys? Could they hit you up and get coaching? Absolutely, absolutely. And and so what you were saying before, like if we're the drop zone and we're training, like yeah, if we're like on the creepers or if we're in the middle of walking a skydive, probably not the right time to. You mean you don't want to hear about my new four-way team with my 50 jumps in the middle of your dirt dive? Yours, Absolutely. yes. So if you're But, yeah, as soon as we get up from the creepers, and unless, like, we look like we're scattering, you know, because somebody's got to go to the bathroom and somebody's got to check their rig or whatever, you know, say, hey, when you have a minute. And we almost always... You know, ha- have a minute. Some, some that's very generous in skydiving. Almost anyone with information that anybody else might want, most people are pretty open and willing to to share that information and share coaching and yeah. share knowledge. But I do agree, you got to pick your spots. Yeah. When, when someone's rushing to make an airplane, you know, we're always everybody's always trying to catch a flight, quite literally, right? So <laughs> so pick your spot. If someone's in a rush, probably not the best time to start a conversation. But uh, grab any of these people on. Uh, you know, at a time where they're not rushing, anyone's going to help you out. I like the way you said that they approach you when you have a minute. And man, anybody who approaches an experienced skydiver who says, when you have a moment, they will almost always get the moment they want. And probably yeah. more than that. Like, is he done already? Shut up. I didn't need that much help. Um, how can they hit you guys up? How can they find you guys if they're looking for help? Besides, you know, tugging on your strings in the drop zone. So you you have our Spaceland Light um, Facebook page, which we all look at and have access to. Um, you can also find us on um, Facebook, just individually. Find us on Facebook, where I mean the website hasn't been updated, but there is there is sp- a website spacelandlight.com. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone uh, update their website anymore? Like our websites mm-hmm. even maintained with social media being what it is. Yeah, a, <laughs> what's what's the rating center's website like? Uh, dude, it's out of date a bit. It used to have the live feed of all my social media, but the modules I'm using and everything are all out of date because Facebook and Instagram updated their bullshit and I can't <laughs> keep up with that. So that that's how I updated my site was social media. That's how but, I kept it fresh. Yeah. But the Space and Light Facebook page, that's where yeah. people are going to go for four-way coaching. If if yeah. you're listening to this through the podcast and you're not on the Facebook bra- uh, feed, look at the show notes. In the show notes, I'll have a link to each one of their Facebook pages. I'll have a link to Spaceland Light's Facebook page as well so you guys can check them out and, and get to know them. Uh, guys, gals, come check out Spaceland Light. Really, I, I so many much, uh, so much more. I wanted to talk stories, and, and both of you are full of fucking stories that are so much fun. Um, I, I hope you guys can come back and hang on and do this again sometime soon, because uh, really, this stayed more technical. Yeah. My sister's gonna hate this. <laughs> well, we appreciate you letting us be here. Um, it was, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was. I, I, I'm really glad it came together. Yeah, it's, it's, a lot of fun. it's crazy because this can either be a complete debacle that I never want my parents to ever hear, which is most of our shows, or then there's like, man, my parents will get bored because they don't understand skydiving, but they'll enjoy the idea. And, and, and this is one of those episodes I think people will hear a lot from, a lot of four-way guys. People, if, if you're looking to start a team, hit them up, and, and I'm going to throw you guys under the bus for that as well. Uh, they will give you some input. They'll give you advice. They'll give you direction. And it's not just Dave and, and Kat. There's a lot of people out there. Talk to your local four-way experts. Um, you might travel when you get to a certain level, and yeah. uh, I'm glad you do. Me too. Yeah. It's um, 
I, I met you both through different places in skydiving, and it's been really fun to watch it come together. But, man, I look forward to seeing Spaceland Light every weekend. Some teams we high-five, some teams we say hello to, and some teams we, we love to have around. But uh, you guys definitely take the fucking cake, man. Some of the nicest people, most exciting. Like, you don't know the staff's grief. and like, oh, my God, there's five teams training this weekend. <laughs> or you guys do get it. Not every team does. Yeah. Um, but when we see you guys are one of them, it's all well, at least it's light, at least it's light, at least it's these guys. So thank you for being here anytime you jump. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else you guys want to share about Spaceland Light, Dave, Cat, whoever you are, stories to tell about Andre, Andre's deepest dark, dark, darkest secret? <laughs> There's not, a, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not enough time for that. I get in trouble. You get in trouble. Cool. Guys, gals, thank you for joining us tonight. Mr. P, anything else you need to add or throw down? October 20th, Film Festival. You guys better be editing out there. Get it ready. Apex Base just threw down a stash bag. Uh, There's a couple other people who might be throwing in. Blue Skies Magazine throwing down a couple subscriptions. So people are still adding into the prizes. Check out the video. Justin, you want to click on that little button? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? (laughs) Till then, guys and gals, this is Gravity Lab Radio. Blue Skies. We're out of here. Thank you. Sweet. Dave, go fuck yourself. Whoa.